Welcome to Talking Book Publishing with Kathleen Kaiser, brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network. Hello, and welcome to Talking Book Publishing. I'm Kathleen Kaiser, your host, and today we have the two authors of the new Eagles, Up Ahead in the Distance, which is a really incredible 500-plus page book on the Eagles, basically 72 from their first hit to 1980, their first breakup. And I'd like to welcome the authors, Rick Forgo and Steve Caffarelli. Welcome, men. Thank, Thank you, Kathleen. Yes. Oh, great. I'm glad you could join us. Um, so two collaborators I always find interesting. How did your collaboration come about? Um, well, I had written a book previously. Uh, this Eagles book is the second in a, in a trilogy of Eagles books. Uh, the first book I had written was called Eagles uh, Before the Band, which chronicled uh, each of their histories from when they got started in music to just before they released their first album. And as I was writing that book, um, uh, I was digging out information, researching uh, things uh, to fill the stories that went in the book. And I crossed paths with one Stephen Caffarelli, who's my co-writer on, on this book, uh, because Steve is wise in all things uh, 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 country rock and poco and 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 uh that uh wonderful wonderful musical era that went from the the late 1960s to the to the mid 1970s okay and so steve have you had you written something before well i had written things uh, for publication um uh, particularly when i was younger um newspaper work, not necessarily rock and roll work, um, but I was a big uh, fan of all this music. And uh, when Rick reached me and we got to talking and he told me he was working on this first book, uh, the one that he wrote by himself. And I was like, wow, your book's got all that stuff in it, um, which covered everything up until the first album, all the stuff before the band. And that's in fact what the book is called before the band. And I said, I got to get that book. We just started talking. And when the time came to write the second one, initially he said, would you like to write this? I think you can do this. And um, my schedule was kind of tight. And I said, well, I'm not sure, but I could help. That turned into a co-write situation. And I think the end product of this book um, is better off for that because we bought both brought different kinds of strengths and knowledge and such to the project. And we kind of fed off each other. Now that makes, sounds like a really good team. Mm -hmm. Well, I, what, one of the things I liked about the book was how you cover like each uh, single that comes out and you talk about where it broke out and when it was really, you know, all this information, you have some fabulous charts and graphs and then you have like over a hundred, but I think it's 120 images from some of the most famous rock and roll photographers of the time. Uh, how long did it take you to research and compile all this information? I think we were working on this for, for more than two years. Um, the first book was released in uh, December of 2019. And uh, I had actually been writing material for the second book 
while I was writing material for the first book. So, um, you know, I, I think we we churned on this for for two plus years, uh, but it's been a it's been a fun ride. Um, what do you think, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's going on at least two years. Um, little bit more than that. Uh, the funny thing is, is that we had all the opportunity during COVID uh, to work on it, where maybe people's workload was maybe a little bit less because they were working, um, you know, maybe, you know, people were furloughed or not doing things at night, certainly. Um, but it didn't seem to speed anything up. <laughs> it seemed like we, it still uh, took a long time. I thought like, okay, I can't go anywhere anymore. So I'm going to have a lot of time to work on this book. Uh, but the scope of what was covered in the book was just so great. Um, and we really did care a lot about getting the facts right and making sure everything was well cited and accurate and all that stuff. So um it took longer than we expected, but maybe we should have expected it should have taken this long because it was a big undertaking. Well, first off, you have all the facts and documentation, and I liked how you have sources that you quote that you know from different information. How did you go about digging up like roadies and different people that were around the scene then? Well, we had uh, a, I'm going to bounce this to you, Rick. Um, I just want to say we started by scouring everything that we could find out there in print. And that not only includes some of the more popular publications that have provided quotes throughout the years, you know, they did two big stories for Rolling Stone, thing like things like that. Uh, but we also found things from local publications, from local news clippings when, you know, the Eagles would come through Kalamazoo or something and the local paper would cover it. We found everything. And then on top of that, Rick used his um, tremendous research and journalistic skills to track down some of these people like Richie Fernandez, Rob Strandlin. I'm going to let him talk about those guys right now. Yes. Tell us about them, Rick. We had uh, all the research came from, we started with, we started with books that, that had already been published and then poured over them, but then we supplemented that by going over magazine articles, and newspaper articles, and other books printed by people who were in the in uh, the same sphere of influence as the Eagles, and we found so many things. Um, and, uh, you know, if you're going to write a book about the Eagles, you have to, uh, you have to include something new. Um, and one thing that, that I thought that uh, uh, didn't get covered by previous publications was digging into the details for a lot of these things that just get kind of glossed over. So that led me to uh, to do interviews with Richie Fernandez, for example, who was the who was the uh, the road manager for the Eagles from '72 to '76, and um, Tom Ledden, uh, Bernie Ledden's brother, who was. Uh, uh, a co-writer on one of their great songs, Hollywood Waltz, and and Danny O'Keefe, who was a who was a, 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 a famous songwriter from the early '70s, and and you know we just a uh, Rob Stranlin, who was the co-author for uh, that Eagles favorite, Already Gone. We talked to all of these people to 
to dig out the details for those stories and, and, you know, add a little something new because, you know, there's been books that have already been written, written about the Eagles. We didn't just want to regurgitate uh, uh, stories that had already been written. We wanted to dig deeper. And then we wanted to find things uh, uh, about the band that other folks didn't know, or perhaps were buried so deep in an interview that you couldn't, you, you, you didn't know about it. So we, dug those things out. That's what you find in this book. It's, it is 500 pages and, and it is packed with, <laughs> with details. What I found interesting too, is like you had an original ad that had been sent out by Asylum that was ran in, I think like, you know, Cashbox and Billboard and that for, I think it was out on the border. And mm -hmm. I thought that was, I guess I remember as I was in the music business then, when that ad came out, I thought it was so distinctive and, you know, very stylized with, you know, how, how they did things. And, you know, it was a total class act what David Geffen put together with Asylum. All of the marketing materials, everything were really great. So, but now you also have photographs. Tell us about how you got those. Well, I think the story about the photographs has to, has to begin uh, with Henry Diltz. Um, folks who know the Eagles, that, that will be a familiar name. Uh, Henry was the photographer for the band for the first, uh, for the first two or three albums. Um, he chronicled their history, went out, uh, uh, went out to um, Joshua Tree with them for their uh, debut album and got pictures. And him, along with his partner, Gary Burden, uh, put together the package for the first two albums. And, and you know, the, the first album, uh, the photos for that were pretty iconic. The second was just amazing. Um, Desperado was a great album package. And this book, in addition to talking about uh, the the Eagles and their and their songwriting, it also talks about uh, you know every every album that they created. We we went and we talked to the designers of the uh, of those album covers and and talked to them about what was involved. But uh, Photographers, uh, we've got like 25 Henry Diltz photographs in here that are all sort of in the moment. And other great photographers like Norman Seif and, and uh, uh, Jim Shea and David Alexander, all who, who were there at important moments of the, in the band's career getting just great photographs. And, you know, you know what we what we've done different is we've taken all those photographs and we haven't just packed them into the middle of the book like a lot of people do um, or like a lot of publishers do where you kind of read the text and then you get to the middle and you flip through 10 or 15 pages of photographs and then you get back to text in this in our book we take the we take those photographs and we put them in the moment uh eagles up ahead in the distance is a chronology so it starts at the beginning and ends in 1980 and we uh we just keep uh keep rolling through and where where it's appropriate we drop in those photographs from those great photographers and you know it tells a story in and of itself because you can see how the band gets older and how they mature and 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 you know what they start out at and what they end up as it's 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 just a great way to tell a story now did you uncover any um not known facts or material about them that might be like one of them you could tell us about? Steve, you want to jump that? Well, um, certainly 
little little bits here and there and little factoids and such. Um, but as sort of like a bigger concept, um, one of the things that really was hammered home to me um, was just how good of a fit Joe Walsh was for when he joined the Eagles, because I wouldn't necessarily have thought that. And I think a lot of people at the time didn't as well. Um, for example, you know, he already was a band leader himself with, uh, you know, Barnstorm and James Gang. He was kind of the guy there. He was the main guy, even though it was technically a band. And then he had a solo career and he was kind of known for some harder edged, crunchy tunes like Funk 49, Walk Away. So you'd wonder, well, why does the band that sings Best of My Love with these gorgeous harmonies, um, why are they looking for this rocker in Joe Walsh? And why would Joe Walsh want to be part of a band when he's already kind of been a band leader and a solo artist indeed? So um, what I really learned was just for myself was just I how eclectic his work was before this and how he was so much more than just um, this kind of crunchy guitar player. Uh, and also that, frankly, he always wanted to be in a band like the Eagles. Um, you know, when they were marketing bands like, uh, you know, like Barnstorm and stuff, you know, and Joe Vitale, you know, Kenny Passarelli, these guys that he played in bands with, he always wanted them to get more credit. He felt they deserved more credit. They had tremendous contributions, but the marketing machine and such wanted to market a Joe Walsh product. Uh, they thought that was their best uh, chance of getting sales. So when the time came and he joined the Eagles, the Eagles were looking to get something to kind of shed their reputation as, you know, sort of limp-wristed LA country rockers. And Joe Walsh wanted to be in a project similar to that. And he did a great job, obviously. So I would say that's what uh, I came away from the experience thinking like, you know what, I should accept this as, you know, the success it was. He he was the right guy for the job. Yeah, I, I remember because I was working in the business then and it was like, Joe Walsh with the Eagles? Exactly, yeah. You know, it's right. like, come on, on, that, you know, a hard edge rocker in that band, you know. But when you think back on it, too, Glenn was a rocker. Yeah. He, you know, he came out of Detroit. He was the Bob School, Bob Seeger School. And he was definitely Detroit rock. And I think with him and Joe, it was a really good combination. First time I saw them on stage with Joe, I was like, oh, there's chemistry. Yeah, it's, it's you know, they're one of these bands that really does have that you know, throughout the 70s, there's kind of like the two sides of it, kind of like the stardom years, the arena rock years, which was the Walsh stuff and Felder and whatnot. And the earlier stuff, which was Bernie Ledden, real great country pedigree playing, you know, pedal steel and banjo and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and they were really successful at both. And they had two different, very important producers in their career throughout the 70s, which was uh, Glenn Johns and uh, Bill Simzik. And um, they both brought different things. And I don't know that you can say one was more important than the other. From the start, Henley wanted to have more of like a Bonham-esque sound on drums. And Glenn Fry wanted to rock, stretch those uh, Detroit roots. 
But Glenn John said, uh-uh, I, I don't see you as that. I see you as the guys with the sweet harmony. I don't think you do the rock and roll thing well. And that kind of ticked them off. You know, they didn't like hearing that, but they were very successful with that first album, very successful, at least artistically, with the second album, Desperado, which didn't sell through the roof at the time. Um and then Glenn Johns also produced Best of My Love off the third album, which was the one that really took off. But then you can't argue with what Simsbeck did afterwards with Hotel California and One of These Nights. So I think they were always all those things. They were country rockers and troubadours, but they were rockers dying to get out. And throughout the trajectory of their career, they got a chance to kind of scratch both those itches. And I think if you look at the songs that they've done, you can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. When you look at Hotel California, I mean, that was such a breakthrough, such an enormous, creative, talented breakthrough for an Mm -hmm. album. And that was an arena album. Yeah. Okay. The first one, even Desperado, I think the biggest place I ever saw them do that was Santa Monica Civic. Okay. Because they had an orchestra on stage. And half the audience booed, which I thought was terrible. But I love Desperado. That was my favorite album. Yeah. But it was like the um, it was the evolution of where they were going. And the switch, everybody was like, oh, God, they've changed producers. What's this going to do? And it actually was great. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have, they couldn't have found. I don't think they could have found a better fit. Simsic was perfect for them. Perfect yeah. for them. Um, yeah. And again, it's one of those things where you really can't argue with the fact that they changed and it still worked out. It was successful before it was su- successful after. So it would have been easy to say, why would you want to change it up? You're already a good band. You already got your niche. You've already got some hit singles. But they changed in the name of artistry and what they wanted to do. And uh, and it worked out just as well, if not better. So it's it's a fascinating story like that. Yeah, I think the difference between playing Santa Monica Civic and the Forum, you know, or, you know, Dodger Stadium or something, big Mm -hmm. difference. And that music had to have changed to attract that large of an audience. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that as songwriters, Henley and Fry really tapped into where we were all sort of living through then. It's reflected in a lot of their lyrics in that. Uh, especially Henley's to me, of a lot of all of all of all of us were who had been there since the late 60s evolving into what became the disaster at the end of the 70s. Wow. That was, yeah, that was a product of, of exhaustion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what happened. <laughs> it was called punk rock arrived and we all hated it. You know, it was like, <laughs> That 15-year stretch was really an interesting time to be living and growing up, you know, as a person working in the business in L.A. It was, you couldn't have gotten a better place to be. But with your book, you have also covered other, you know, sort of, what's the best way to put it? You've laid it out so it's very pictorial. This is not 500 dense pages of type. These are ads. These are charts. These are the photographs. Everything. I think it makes a perfect holiday gift 
Because if people have an auto, uh, you know, I do. If you have someone that loved the Eagles and really likes their music, gets into them, and is still, say, somebody that grew up with them in the 70s or somebody who didn't discover them until they're the 90s or something, you get into their music, you've really broken down the songs, what's behind them. I think it's really a fabulous way. And if I would say to anyone listening, if you have Eagles fans in your life or you are one, get the book because it's going to help you. Well, well thank you. The, I, I, the thing that, that struck me about this book and about other books, um, uh, other rock and roll books, is they, you know, they, talk, they, they talk about, uh, like previous books talked about the Eagle story, and I think that's great, um, uh, but, but only gave uh, small attention to the songs. Um, and maybe maybe a little bit more attention to the albums. Um, with 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 our book, we really do a deep dive into all of the all of the important songs and a whole bunch of songs that are that are you know um, uh, songs that fans love, but maybe weren't maybe weren't big hits. You know you know uh, songs like Saturday Night and the Hollywood Waltz and um, uh, the last resort. I mean, I mean, we have, we have, uh, deep dive stories into all of these songs and the inspirations behind them. It's when I read, uh, a rock and roll book, it's important for me to understand the, what's going on with the band, but I want to know what's happening with the songs. I want to know where they got that, where they got that inspiration, you know, and with, with eagles up ahead in the distance, that's what we try to do. We we uh, every every album had three uh, three singles that were released. We went into deep dives on on all three singles, and then we covered the album. And then songs that were important to to fans, we covered those as well. So when you flip through the pages of this book, you'll not only learn about what's going on with the band, but you'll learn about the inspirations of the songs and of the albums and how are they all tie together and, and not just them, but, but, you know, uh, other, other people that helped them along the way, like JD Souther and, and uh, Jackson Brown and, and uh, Poco and, and uh, bands that kind of helped help them move along in their, uh, in their musical progression. Yeah, a lot of that started when they were playing like with Linda and stuff like that. Linda exactly. Ronstadt, that was all part of the evolution, which you've covered in your first book. But this one is really the epitome at the heart of the Eagles and the heart of their really biggest albums before they started solo careers when they broke up in 1980. And when did they get back together? 94. 1994, right. Oh, 14, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't realize it was that long. And we'll cover that in our third book. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> and are you going to go off on their solo careers in the third book? Oh, yeah, I think you have to, because because so much of what they did in their solo uh, in their solo careers lends, uh, lends itself to uh, what they did when they reformed in 94. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll be talking about the third book. We'll talk about Glenn's solo career, Don's solo career uh, and and uh, Timothy and, and Joe's careers. And and we 
like we've done in this book, even though members of the band have left the band, like Bernie Ledden and Randy Meisner left the band, just because they left the band doesn't mean that we tailed off on what they were doing because we continued writing stories about them and their solo efforts like, like they were part of the family because they are part of the family. And yeah, I think it's, there. you know, I think you have to uh continue if you're going to continue in the mold of these first two books we're going to have to cover the solo stuff because really an important point to hammer home is you know this is a very all-inclusive book of everyone who was involved in this world uh that that we're calling eagles so um you know when jd souther puts out an album that's covered just like the eagles albums are covered in the book because he was a friend of theirs. He co-wrote a bunch of their biggest songs. He figures in heavily in the history from the very beginning, from before the Eagles. So we really don't leave too much unturned in terms of, of uh, you know, talking about the whole scene that is the Eagles in the 70s. Right. Well, I like the term that was in your media kit, those forensic rock research. Oh, because really? <laughs> I really feel that's what you did. I mean, this is the most detailed book that I have seen on the band. And they're one of the few groups that I know a lot of. I mean, when they were rehearsing before they went to London to do the album in the fall of 71, I would hang out at the Troubadour in the afternoon so you could listen to them. Mm -hmm. I found out they were there. My friend was a bartender. So he said, come down and listen. I think you'll like this. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so it's fun that way. But anyway, well, I want to congratulate you on this amount of work. The fact that you got out 500 pages in two years really is something as an accomplishment. Well, Especially with all the detail you. that you have. And uh, just so that anyone uh, that's listening, because this is going to come out, uh, this broadcast around the time just before the uh, album comes out, they are having a uh, ebook sale on their first book, uh, Rick's first book, uh, the ba Before the Band, Eagles Before the Band, that's going to be happening. I think it's $1.99, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And then... Uh, there'll be a, a very special thing that I'll be sending out to all our listeners uh, for the release date. And so that's something else for all of you to know about. But I want to thank both Rick and Steve. I've enjoyed talking with you. And um, thank, thank you for having coming. Yeah, thank you. Talking Book Publishing is brought to you by Writers and Publishers Network. It's a resource for writers and indie publishers at every level and offers tools to be successful in their writing career. Writersandpublishersnetwork.com Don't miss our after-hours segment, Conversations with the Producer, a segment where our producer, Adana Moriarty, talks with our guests and lets the conversation mosey wherever it moseys to. Mm -hmm.